Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Pencil Leadership. Again, I am Chris Anderson, your host. And what's that song? Traveling the world, a song that we're singing. Come on, oh, get happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about my terrible voice. I'm not a singer, but the Partridge Family, right? Come the on, Partridge get happy. Family. What a Man. great show. Yeah, what a great show and a great message. Just, you know, focusing on being happy. And I think we need that topic more than ever nowadays with things we've been through. And so I'm super excited for our guest today, everybody, because we're going to talk about just that, how to be happier in life. And so bringing you Mike Duffy onto Pencil Leadership today. And Mike is a TEDx speaker. He's a philanthropist. He's an author of multiple books, but he's an expert on being happy and creating that happiness in your life, among other things. And so we're going to just dial into that topic for today. Mike, welcome to Pencil Leadership today. Chris, thank you so very much. It is a joy to be on your show. Well, we're glad to have you for sure. I'm excited to dive into this topic of just being happier and how to be happier. But uh, if you would, just high level, obviously you have a website, things like that. People can get the deeper version of your story, but just share a little bit about yourself and your journey for everyone to get to know you a little bit. Sure. So when I was 17 years old, my beautiful mother, who I was very close to, passed away in just three months. A very happy kid found himself in the pit of depression. We had no money. Both my parents are Irish immigrants with a sixth grade education. So I had to find my own therapy. So I read every book I could get at the library. I attended all sorts of seminars. I got a degree in psychology. I have been singly focused on the topic and science of happiness since I was 17 years old. And I have to tell you, Chris, it's been a great six years so far. <laughs> I like it. That's good. I like that. I like the sense of humor as well. So for those who can't see Mike, he is not 23. Close. I would probably say 25. No, <laughs> but no, that's good. I think our age is just a number. I'm 54 beautiful years old. All right, 54. That You're looking good for yeah. 54, so that's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I think a part of that is their energy. You know, I think being able to be joyful, being happy, I think that plays into how we age a little bit because of how we can deal with stress differently. So I'm excited to hear from your perspective ways to be happier today. So where would we start with that, I guess? Would I write in to be happier what does that even mean to be happier? Because happy, you know, comes and goes, joyful state. So what is happiness and what does that look like in life? Let me give you my happiness formula. This is what I'm known for. P plus P equals H. Purpose plus progress equals happiness. Okay? I like it. Most people think, oh, when I'm retired. In fact, I was giving a presentation one time and I have a wonderful insurance guy and he came up to me afterwards and he goes, Mike, I figured out how I'm going to be happy in retirement, thanks to you. I said, what is it? He goes, I'm going to find a hammock by a beach, and I'm going to drink rum from sunup to sundown. <laughs> and I said, no, no, that's the alcoholism recipe. That's not what I'm talking about. You haven't heard one word. You see, what I did 10 years ago, and what I would encourage everybody who can hear the sound of my voice right now to do, Take out a piece of paper or more importantly, on the notes app on your phone. If you don't get it, if you don't have it, get it. 
write down purpose on the left. In the middle, write down progress. And then write down the multiple purposes of your life. For me, it was be a great husband to my wife, Shannon. The second one was be a great father to my two kids. Be a great advisor in my happiness wealth management project. And on and on. We'll have multiple. And then you write down the action steps. You must take massive action in this life. You can't just wallow around in the muck and mire and expect happiness to come pick you up by the scruff of the neck. You must move. And when you do that, so for example, I wrote down to be a great husband. Every Saturday night is date night. And how did that come to be? Well, I started to recruit a stable of babysitters. So if one dropped out, I'd have three or four others to call. My wife understood that on Saturday night at 5.30, she would be relieved of her motherly duties and we would go do what she wanted to do. You see, my dad told me, Chris, the morning of my wedding, in love relationships, when you start out, you're butting heads, right? And then as time goes on, you become as one. So if you do become as one, which is true, if you reach that level of relationship, why wouldn't you want to put that other person on a pedestal? Why would you want to say mean things to them? Because it's only saying mean things to yourself, right? So what movie do you want to go to, Shannon? What restaurant do you want to go to? What do you want to do tonight? I found out a long time ago, Chris, it's much cheaper to hire a babysitter than it is a divorce attorney. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. And very true. And I like that a lot. Just overarching what you said there, writing down your purposes, writing down those things that matter most to you, then writing down the actions that you need to do to grow that, to get to those points. Because I think that's a lot of people, you know, they think about, you know, I'm passionate about this or, you know, I really like this. I want to do this. And that's where it ends. And they don't add in that. Okay. So these are the steps. This is what I need to do, you know, weekly, daily, monthly, whatever it is to get there. So I love that part of it to get to happiness because when you're doing something you truly enjoy and love and you're continually progressing, you're getting better, you're getting farther along in that journey. Just like me starting my business, the happiness can come, even though the journey might be difficult. Benjamin Franklin said that 1% of people are successful because only 1% of people write down their goals. Mm. He said that hundreds of years ago, (laughs) and it's true today. Mm. You have to make the choice to be happy. You see, our caveman brain was set up so that we didn't walk off cliffs, so that we didn't walk into a den of tigers. But what that does today in the modern era, we are flooded with negative thoughts. What I have learned from the greatest minds in the world, like Dr. Daniel Gilbert out of Harvard, my good friend, Dr. Fred Luskin from Stanford, where I've taught happiness classes with him, you know, one of the most popular classes at Stanford University. I couldn't get into Stanford, but I guess (laughs) lecture there. How does that happen? Right. Okay. Passion, baby. (laughs) Yeah. What I have to tell you now, I have gleaned from so many amazing people. You see, I am the founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame. The Happiness Hall of Fame is a 501c3 that recognizes, celebrates, and encourages people and organizations that make other people happy. In the hall 
is Muhammad Ali, who many years ago invited me out to his museum in Louisville, Kentucky. And I spent a couple of hours with he and his wife hearing stories of success and victory and kindness and generosity I had never heard before. I have, you know, corresponded interviews and become friends with some of the greatest thought leaders in the country. In the hall is Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, the San Francisco Giants, who came out to Stanford University Faculty Club, where every year we have a big induction ceremony. It's 300 people. It's open bar, fantastic food. And they talk about how they make other people happy. I'm making a movie. The Giants are in the movie. They opened up their stadium for me to come in and film. Like, again, I am the son of sixth grade immigrant parents. <laughs> there was nothing made easy for me in my life. But I have created a life where I am at peak happiness because of actions, because of not letting fear corrupt my mind and my soul of doing things that I want to do. And when it doesn't work out, that's okay. The greatest course I've ever taken was a continuing education course at Stanford University. The name of the course, Chris, was Failure. Every week we met once a week for two hours and we broke up into accountability groups. By the way, if you want to succeed in life, you need an accountability partner. Stop putting it off. And we would have our accountability groups and we would say, okay, now the only homework was to go do something that week that you were petrified of, something that you were probably going to fail at. And we say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then we'd come back and say, well, how did you do? And I can tell you that out of the eight weeks that I took that course, I committed, I did it, and I never failed once. Meanwhile, the people that I was in the groups were with had tiny little goals, and they didn't even do them most of the time. And all I can think about is, wow, they put in the money, they showed up every week, and they never did it. I can only imagine the regrets they have today by not following through. Yeah, I think, again, the action, because if we're not, you know, getting better, if we're not growing, if we're not progressing forward, then, I mean, you do start getting overwhelmed with where you're at. You know, that fear can start to creep in because you're not continually moving forward and, and improving your situation. It just allows that negativity to come in. So with that, obviously, with the purpose and the progress chart, so realizing that maybe coming up with ideas of their purpose, their passions, things like that, and taking action, what action they need. What other ways, like during that journey, can they stay happy or can they continue to be happy? Are there other main ideas or main tactics, whatever verbiage you want to use that people can implement to keep that happiness, that joy in their lives, even through the struggles of the journey? Yes. The unexamined life is not a life worth living. You must write down your goals and you must finish what you start. A great story that I learned just recently is from the amazing golfer, Hale Irwin. And let me tell you a little story that he told me. Now, Hale Irwin is the 26th ranked greatest golfer of all time in a sport that is 600 years old and has kept records throughout that 600 years. So if you're the 26th best golfer of all time, you're pretty darn good. It means that you've come up with a system to not fold under pressure. 
With COVID, there is high anxiety. You know, people are just, they've never felt lower. The world has never felt lower outside of a world war, right? Because we are isolated and we're group people. This is the story that he told me. I said, Hale, I watch films of you. You know, I was watching the 91 Ryder Cup, the war by the shore. And there you are. It's the U.S. versus Europe. It's all down to you. And, you know, I'm looking at you and you look like a field general. You are so composed. How is it? And I've watched your U.S. Opens. He's won three U.S. Opens. He's the oldest man who won at 45 years old. How do you keep it together under such immense pressure? He said, my, my first U.S. Open on the 17th hole, I realized that if I can keep it together, I'm going to win. My lifelong dream is about to come true. And I understand that millions and millions of people around the world are watching me. At that moment of realization, I started to have a heart attack. He goes, my heart was beating out of my chest. I couldn't believe it. At this most inopportune moment in my early 30s, I'm going to drop dead. So I look to the right on this huge gallery, seas of people. I go, I can't have my heart attack over there. I look to my left, even more people. I just want to lay down and have my heart attack in peace. And a voice came into my head and he said, Hale, I told you to finish what you start. Now you finish this with the voice of my father. So I said, okay, dad, I put my head down. I held it together and I won my first U.S. Open. Now he wasn't having a heart attack. He was having an anxiety attack. And a lot of people today are truly suffering from anxiety. So what do you do? One of the latest inductees into the Hall of Fame is Dr. Kevin Elko. He's a sports psychologist. He has helped colleges and pro football teams win 30 championships. Hire this guy, and there's a good chance you're going to win. He helped the Eagles beat Tom Brady when nobody counted in the Eagles. And what he says is plan for peace. We know in our lives that we're going to have rough spots. So you have to come up with phrases, sayings, fallbacks, to keep you on purpose. He says, if you're going to fly to the East Coast from the West Coast and you have two stops, and this is going on during COVID, there's a very good chance you're not going to make it there on time. So you know that. So what do you do? Well, if you have to be there on that day and that time, you leave a day or two early. You have to plan for peace, right? And if you know that you're starting a new business and you know know, how difficult that is, what do you do? Well, you set up a network of people, right? You go out and you find, okay, you're successful at this. What steps did you take to do that? And you write them down, right? You come up with a plan. So plan for peace is what I would say. It's good too, because when you're doing anything, I mean, anything in life, you can plan for peace, like you're saying. And there's a point where planning then becomes a hindrance, of course, when we over plan and then we stress because we're trying to plan and get everything, every minute little detail in place. So we have to be aware of that because that could creep in. But I love this plan for peace because, you know, you can look at maybe the major things that you're going to need to accomplish. Okay. How do I do that? Or who can I meet to do that and take some of that stress off? Like when I started my podcast, 
I planned and I took information from successful people doing it. And then that's what I implemented. Instead of spending years doing it myself, I took the major information pieces, planned it in and then went for it. And it helped, I think, me be at peace and be able to create the show a lot better than if I wouldn't have planned it all or if I was still planning because it wasn't perfect kind of thing. Yeah. You also have to learn how to forgive yourself. And you have to learn how to forgive other people. Now, this is a skill. It's also a muscle. So we will fail every day at something, right? But what are you supposed to do? Just lay on the street and say, I'll let somebody down. That's it. This is where I stop. You are in a marathon. You have to keep on going. You have to keep on forgiving. Let me tell you a story. It's very important to surround yourself with successful people, people who've done this to you before. Some of the brightest minds in your community, you can reach out to them. They will react to you, some of them. Again, you'll fail. So let me tell you a story. I don't know, nine years ago or so, 10 years ago, I was reading the San Francisco Chronicle. I live on the West Coast. And it says there was an article, the most popular class at Stanford University is the happiness class taught by Dr. Fred Luskin. I call up Fred. That's bold, isn't that? Call up somebody out of the newspaper. And I said, Fred, I didn't call him Fred at that time. I said, doctor, I'm writing a book on happiness. It's an imperative that I get your insights. He calls me back. I said, where do you want to meet? He goes, I love Chinese food. I'm from New York. I go, I'm from New York. So we meet. And I say, you know, doctor, I know that What you're known for is forgiveness. You wrote forgive for good, forgive for life, forgive your dog. I'm kidding. And he goes, Mike, call me Fred. And that's when the friendship started. I said, Fred, I've read everything on forgiveness. I basically read everything on happiness, success, and resilience. That's what I do. I'm obsessed. I said, but I can't move forgiveness from my head to my heart. I know all the quotes, Mark Twain, I know, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. I know it all. I can't forgive some people who truly hurt me. How do I do it? He said, Mike, close your eyes. I want you to think of one person that really hurt you. I said, okay. Now I want you to say, I forgive them. I did. He goes, you've forgiven them. It's over. Now move on. So what he told me was forgiveness is a selfish act. You don't do it for the other person. You do it for yourself. Sometimes when you get a new phrasing or a turn on a word, a selfish act, all of a sudden, oh, that's the bridge I needed. My new, Chris, my new superpower that I've been developing since that day is forgiveness. I don't have any weight on my shoulders of people that have screwed me over hard. It's gone. I pray for those people. It's almost like I'm so strong in forgiveness that I almost look forward to people screwing me over because it feels so good to forgive them. (laughs) So that's what I want people to really get from today's talk. Mm. You must forgive yourself because you're going to mess up today, tomorrow, the next day. Yeah. And you've got to forgive others. Yeah. And that can even be part of your purpose. Like it could be a goal of yours just to forgive somebody who hurt you. So what's the steps you need to take? And maybe that for them, maybe that is reaching out and say, Hey, I forgive you like bygones, bygones kind of thing. Or maybe it is just, you know, taking the time to think in your head and let it go, whatever it is. So I think these all, yeah, 
the Beatles. We could talk about that song, but I won't sing that for you guys. It's okay. But <laughs> here's a very powerful word. And I didn't think this was going to catch on to the extent that it's caught on with people that I know. I have three levels of what ifs. So if something doesn't go the way you want it during the day, you go, oh, what ifs? And then if it's like, no, this is this is kind of a thing, you're like, okay, what ifs to the what ifs. That's level two. Okay? <laughs> and then level three is you sing what ifs to the what ifs. And it's so stupid right. that you laugh. Yeah. When you laugh, you're like, oh, well, okay, I, I can get over this, right? Yeah. Yep. So there's your three levels right there. Write that sucker down. That's because good. if you can laugh at yourself and laugh at your situation, it gives you power. At least you are in power. Don't let anybody steal your peace, including yourself. Yeah. So visually, that makes me think of a scene in James Bond Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. I mean, it's a little graphic scene. So, I mean, whatever. If you're going to go watch it, just be careful. He's sitting on a chair and he's getting basically hit with this big knot at the end of a rope. We'll say, we'll just end it there. And it's painful. <laughs> it does not feel good at all. I can't even imagine. But it gets to the point, and this is kind of goes with what you're saying about the whatevs or kind of laughing. He starts to laugh at the guy who's hitting him with this and starts to make a joke of it, which gets in that guy's head a little bit more. But, you know, he just kind of throws it off. And it's kind of the same thing. If we can, you know, see the silver lining, see the positives, see the laughter, you know, laugh at yourself when you make a mistake, like things like that. It just changes something in your mind and the situation you're in to not seem as bad and allow you to cope or deal or get through those moments, kind of like with your three levels of whatevs and singing that. So I think that's a big point because, you know, we're hard on ourselves so much and probably hard on ourselves more than we're hard on other people a lot of the times. And if we can release that, that grip it has on us and, and, you know, make a little bit lighter of the situation. Like you said, I think that's going to really help people just be happier, have less stress in that. And when you can do that, then it's going to correlate over and it's going to run into other people in your lives because that's going to resonate off of you. And then you're going to be able to help other people be happy. Yeah. And I have to tell you, Chris, the scene that you brought up, <laughs> I always would rent out movie theaters for my clients. You know, I've been a wealth manager now 30 years. I've got a company called Happiness Wealth Management. And I would always rent out theaters for my clients and just have a great old time. And they bring grandma, they bring the grandkids, all this stuff. <laughs> and it was down between Star Wars or that film. <laughs> like, I don't know, the new James Bond. It's been a while. And I decided to go with, I think it was Star Wars at the time. Okay. And when I went to see that James Bond movie and that scene came, I said, oh my gosh, thank God I didn't rent out this theater for that scene alone. But yeah, you're right. What a lot of people, I was born in the summer of love, 1967, <laughs> and the 70s were all about finding yourself, right? I remember my mom, you know, I grew up, I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. I remember my mom saying to a lady on the blog, she's saying, hey, where's Frankie? He's a great kid. I don't see him anymore. And she goes, oh, Frankie went to go find himself. You know, and that always stuck with me. But it's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Who is it that you want to be? Yeah. Imagine your perfect life. Who are you in relationships with? Personally, professionally, love relationships. Make it happen. What is it that you want to do? I didn't want to be in New York City living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan in the winter of 1994. So I said, you know, I can't take this anymore. I waved the white flag. New York City, you win. I'm out. And I moved uh -huh. to San Francisco. 
<laughs> it was the greatest decision. My kids are now four generation Californians yeah. on my wife's side. <laughs> if you are not happy, you must move. If you do not like your job, you must leave. You must take action. Nobody can do this for you. Nobody can make you happy. You have to summon the power within you to make the changes that you need to make. Time is running out. This is not a dress rehearsal. There are no do-overs. You must create this perfect life that you've always dreamed of. You have the power. As long as you have a noble purpose, you are unstoppable. Mm. Absolutely. Wow. That's a great kind of thing to wrap it up on because yeah, time is running out and we don't have, you know, like you said, it's not a dress rehearsal. And so figure that out, figure out what it is you want. And as long as it's a noble cause, like Mike says, you're unstoppable. And so start taking action, take those steps. And I love that. And so, you know, kind of with that, Pencil Leadership has five traits, the fifth being they were all created uniquely with a purpose to leave a positive mark in the world. So, you know, having that noble cause of some sorts. So, Mike, when everything is said and done for you here on Earth, what do you hope your positive mark is? The purpose of my life is to help other people get happier. It's very simple. And I know that I do that. So that will be my mark, a legacy of happiness. I love it. And it ripples out. And that's the gift that keeps on giving too. one of them. So Mike, it's great to have you on the show and I'm super excited and honored that you'd be on here and share all these traits on how to be happy and how to, you know, turn your life around to be more happy with what we're doing. But before we do kind of sign off here, where can people find you? What do you got for them or where do you want them to connect with you at? Well, if you would like to have a great guest speaker at your church or school or your company, you can go to MikeDuffySpeaks.com, and there you can see my nine-minute funny TEDx speech. And if you want to learn more about the Happiness Hall of Fame, HappinessHallofFame.com, there are great inspirational videos there on some of the people who have been inducted. Awesome. Well, yeah, everyone, make sure you check out all that, get to the site, see the Hall of Fame, and yeah, just continue to learn from Mike and become happier through the resources he puts out there. Again, Mike, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership today. Well, Chris, it has been a joy. And I just want to say to folks, you are the author of the story of the rest of your life. Make that story one of amazing adventure, generous giving and helping others, noble purpose, a legacy of kindness, incredible joy, and pure happiness. Thank you and God bless you, Chris. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.